Great pressure here from the Maple Leafs. Power play. Riley on the left wing side. Top to Marner again. Top of the circle. On to Matthews. Holds a pass in deflected by Nylander. Over top of the goal. Another chance for Willie. Another shot stop. Tavares scores! <laughs> yeah, baby. Welcome back to the Leafs cast. Man, it's mid-September. It's got to be training camp soon. We're well, almost back. It's like literally, it's it's rookie training camp. These it's, guys uh, got to earn their spot. I saw Nick Sorry. Robertson was doing an interview the other day, and they were asking him about how it is training with his brother. Then I remembered his brother doesn't even have a contract yet. Let's no, bring him in. Ryan, you're uh, you're behind. His brother Shoot. signed big money. Oh, he just signed? Oh, never Yeah, mind. I think he got like $65 million. Something wow, like that. did he really? Another another guy, eight years deals. There's like a dozen eight-year deals this offseason. It's well, ridiculous. You know what it is? It's because Tampa started it off, and they did like three eight-year deals in a row, and now everyone, because they're clearly the smartest team in the league, is like, well, it's what you got to do. So now everyone's just following suit. Yeah. Eight years by eight. I, right? I think it's more That's the... Everybody. I think it's more like they see the end of the flat cap world. Like, I mean, it's still like, it still burns me. These guys, like everyone's signing eight year deals before our guides were up. And then Matthews and Marner need, and Nylander have signed long-term contracts and they all push for like the shortest possible deals. And now um, that we've walked in, people are like, Oh yeah, eight years is good. Just like, give me a break. I think that's more <laughs> the flat cap though, which also like burns us. Wait a minute. Hold up. Tim, Tim's out here trying to take shots at, at, at Dubas and the Maple Leafs roster right away. You're looking at these eight-year deals for some big, big dollars, Tim. Let's give the Maple Leafs some shout-out. Willie Nylander. Contract looking mighty fine compared to some of these literal jabronis that are going to be getting paid, you know, seven, eight million dollars a year for the next eight years. My, my, my kid will be failing first grade when, uh, oh gosh, who's the guy on Buffalo that just got paid a lot? He's fine. I'm not in regular season form. I can't remember all these guys' names. Just Buffalo guy. Anyway, give the Leafs a little bit of credit, Tim. Come on, the pod just started. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I wasn't. I wasn't saying that uh, the Leafs deals are bad, <laughs> and there are certainly some of these eight-year deals that are bad. It's just annoying that like Austin Matthews' next contract is going to start with a 15 or 16. What a nice to get so. a couple. Another oh, deservedly so. But. This is Tim. This is Tim at the start of the pod. Every pod, right? Ryan says something. Tim's like, "Well, I'm a depressed Maple Leaf fan, <laughs> and here's why this makes me upset." I'm not over it yet, Ryan. Also, <laughs> I uh, I got Jason Robinson mixed up with Jordan Cairo in St. Louis. Jason Robinson does not have a contract. Oh, so I'm right. Okay, you are you, you know, are correct. Okay. Thank God. I thought I was like I don't remember hearing that either. I'm not certainly not going to say it. You know what, the Tim, Tim? Tim, you're a big man. I, if I were you, I think I would have just stuck with it and pretended like he had a contract for the rest of the podcast. Because <laughs> clearly, that none of the rest of us would have challenged you on it. So, Stephen, oh, yeah. you you need to man up and challenge him on these things with me. Well, I'm like, but I literally just said I'm not in regular season form. I I can't I can't even remember some of these guys' names. All right, we'll get there. That's you what know, this though, podcast I, is for. The the whole like a handful of high dollar RFAs being you know still sitting there without a contract. Jason Robinson, Rasmus Sandin, to name a few. That's not really that uncommon. I mean, tons of players last year did it as well. Um, it's it's totally possible these guys aren't even really thinking about it right now. They're you know training camp official training camp hasn't necessarily opened back up. So we'll we'll get into this, I guess. Well, it feels like it's nothing compared to the season that that Marner was due and you know, that was the season of the RFAs, like some high ticket players around the NHL that were all just waiting for Marner to get paid. And it, it was crazy how many of them there were. And they all listen, I mean, none of them were paid like Marner did. Words coming from a depressed Maple Leaf fan. That sucked. <laughs> yeah, it did suck. Imagine well, if that... we had a podcast then. Yeah, oh, that's man. true. At the same time, like right now with the, the biggest where we have is Rasmus Sandin. We're going to get into a little bit. Our, but, our number seven know, we, defenseman. We, we panic. Exactly. He's our number seven defenseman. Like that's in contrast to what we went through with Marner, who's like our number two player. One of the best players in the league. It's like, doesn't even compare. So maybe we don't need to freak out as much, but that's what we're here for. We freak out on this podcast. Man. Oh man. I am excited. So yeah, official Maple Leafs training camp uh, comes back. It's just a couple weeks away. Uh, in late uh, September, 
And today we're going to be talking about an athletic article that came out uh, surrounding Maple Leaf training camp. What are the nine biggest storylines to watch? Uh, and so we'll just kind of touch on, well, we'll get, I guess we'll go into depth on things that need some depth and just touch on the things that just need a little, a little touch. Excited for hockey to come back. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly going to be salivating over one or two nice Nick, Mickey Rob plays this, uh, uh, this week at the prospect tournament. Um, Lots of big names in Traverse City, which is in the state of Michigan. Not Tavares City, Traverse <laughs> City. Big difference. Whatever, whatever that is. I haven't really heard uh, too much coming out of it. Do you guys know like who's, who's standing out, who's impressing, or what's, what's the... I think it literally just started yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, still, so, still get into it. All right. I, I mean, if, if you guys want... Do, do you want the things that stood out to me? Is it going to be about mustaches or is it going to be about? I mean, the fact that Jason Robert, that Nick Robertson is still there is like a bit of a thing. It's like he's still working for a spot. Maybe shouldn't. Twenty-one years old. Uh, Okay. Well, okay. A couple things that stood out to me. Uh, Yeah. So Nicky Rob, he had an interview. Uh, Nicky Rob's been on the Jake Muzzin diet, beefing up. (laughs) That's Uh, right. Slotted in at one eighty-five at one point this offseason. What do you that guys was, think about that? Well, it's what he needs to do. I mean, he's got to I mean, put the pounds on and then become an NHLer. Well, I mean, like on, on the other hand, like Nick Robertson's not that tall guy. Like, is he on the Nick on the Jake Muzzin diet? Is he just becoming chunky? Like his his uh, his skating? I don't think was a strength before. Like, obviously, it was his hustle and his uh, his shot tenacity, which got which got him where he is today. So, like not sure if bulking up is what he needs but you know if it's gonna stop him from he's not getting fat don't let steven's chip soundbite get in your way here (laughs) well he's he's becoming a man (laughs) i'm assuming we would have heard about it if they said nick robertson came in fat because they said that about uh uh nazem kadri a few years into his career uh but you are right um the man sits at five nine which is that's not very tall. One eighty-five, that's a thick boy. Yeah, got, they got big lower bodies, Tim. These guys are different. They're different than you and I. I'll take your word for it. Um, that's number one. Speaking of big bodies, at the Maple Leafs prospect tournament camp in Tavares City, Michigan, I have a new favorite Maple Leaf, and I am someone I am ex- excited to watch this fall. Oh, uh, a forward. Standing at a a staggering six foot nine inches tall, uh, a uh, two hundred thirty eight pounds, a fourth round pick in twenty eighteen by the Dallas Stars, Curtis Douglas. 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 Douglas at training camp, six foot nine. He took all your right. That's a tall what? boy. He's on the Jordan. He's on the Jordan diet. Think about this, okay? I mean. First of all, I don't know what this guy's going to turn into anything. Apparently, he was actually on the the Marlies last year. Didn't even know. 34 points in 67 games. Not too bad. He's from Oakville. Now, this guy's quite a bit younger than us. I was failing first grade when he was born. However, um, 238, he stands at 6'9". That's about 50 pounds more than Nicky Robb is, and he's an entire foot taller than him. (laughs) All right, so sounds like we got to get him on the muzzle diet fill in that uh that extra extra bod oh baby curtis douglas you got to get this guy on the team i'm picking up a jersey you want the jersey with your last name but you don't want to get the custom jersey with your last name i think that's kind of soft no curtis douglas suiting up for the maple leaf scoring some big goals six foot nine how you all doing right. all right we'll see we'll see those are the only things that stood out to me for training camp let's get right. to the list Let, let's get to the list what's number one Number one. All right. Uh, number one. When does Rasmus Sandin show up? I know we've talked at length about the Rasmus Sandin. Well, so much still so going on. I'm ready to shoot it into the sun. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about it. The the, the status right. as of now is. All right. I'm going to give you guys three options because there's really the way these things work. It's oh, they always it's a standoff until they get deadlines. And in in these negotiations, there are three deadlines. Start of training camp, which would be in the next couple of weeks. Start of the season, which is uh, a little less than a month from now. 
or December 1st, which after that point, he misses a season. So we'll call these the uh, the Mitch Marner deadline, which actually Mitch Marner, I think, only missed the first couple days of training camp. So the Mitch Marner deadline, yeah. the, the I don't think anyone signed at the start of the season. The Matt, the Brady Kachuk deadline and then the William Nylander deadline. If I had to put it down in percentages, I'd say it's a 0% chance of the William Nylander last minute December deadline. A five percent chance of the start of the season, and ninety-five percent chance that it happens between now and the start of training camp. I think it's going to get done. Listen, these young guys—it's so important for their development as players to be there for training camp to ramp it up. We we saw William Nylander come in halfway through the season, and he was not good that year at all. Like you can't just drop in halfway. You can't miss any time when you're young and still developing. You got to be there, and and he knows it. He's trying to get what he wants, but he'll he'll be there for first day of training camp. I would agree with Ryan. I think, uh, yeah, a young guy like that who, I mean, the way he ended last year, he didn't, he wasn't even playing. Right, this guy yep. needs to get on the ice. I think his motivation is going to be there, and I think just like last year with these RFA's, where like it was like, what's going to happen? You know, there's going to be an offer sheet, and then just all of a sudden they sign. I think that's what it is. He was he was out there on a boat with William Nylander not like two weeks ago. I think he's fine with the Maple Leafs right now. So there you go, Tim. Yeah, I don't know. On one hand, I say that he has to be there for starting training camp. Like he knows at this point the Leafs roster is not changing, and so if he's playing for the Leafs, that means he is has to earn his spot. Certainly, he's not getting into Keith's good books by holding out over a few bucks. Mm. Um, so like. He's hurt, actively hurting himself the longer he waits. Um, I don't know. I, or maybe he's pushing for a trade, and maybe it's not going to be till the start of the season. I think the Maple Leafs are also very motivated to get him in there, and I, I could see them not, not uh, folding in the sense of like signing him to the, maybe the, the high-dollar, longer-term that he's hoping for, but settling on like, like an extremely short-term deal, right? And And... And let's let's see you prove it because if you're not it, then we can trade you and move on. But I, so. yeah, I could see a one year deal. All right. Yep. I, 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 just a one now, year. Okay. A one year. Show me. Now that we're done with this, is anybody opposed to shooting the Ras- Will Rasmus Sandin sign uh, storyline into the sun? Nope. You know that the next time we pod, it'll still be here. No, no, it'll no, still it's be done. waiting for us. It's done, Rye. It's done. We so. can no longer talk about it. Oh, I need see, you guys on board with this. That's why I say, like, it makes sense it's before uh, before training camp starts. But if I had to pick the over or under next time we pot if he signed, I'm picking the over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. Ooh, can Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov kick off their Leafs careers on a positive note? Hmm. I mean, there's something to be said with coming in under low expectations. There's only, there's only so much they could do to not meet those expectations. Well, wait a minute. But but the Maple Leafs have expectations, right, yeah. as a team, or the fans do of the team. And so if those guys are dragging the team down, then, like, they're not meeting it. Like, I, well, okay, I guess we should say this then. What are the expectations, right? Are the expectations that one of these two guys is going to be a you know top five goalie in the NHL and a Vesna caliber player, or are we looking for somebody who's not going to lose us games but really isn't going to steal us any? Like, what are your guys' expectations? It's hard to say, and like, I do, I do feel for these guys because like, I know there was a lot of negative press around like Matt Murray in general coming on. He obviously hadn't had a lot of success in either of the Ottawa Senators. Um, what is kind of funny, in the first week of our season, uh, October 12th is the start of the season, by the way, uh, Montreal, Washington, then Ottawa. So we're going we're gonna to get uh, both Samsono, uh, Samsonov and Murray going to get revenge games. Oh, boy. I don't know. I, if, I sure uh, the Ottawa Senators have improved quite a bit from last year. And they were our Achilles heel last year. So Murray better come ready. I, I think that, and we saw it last year, winning solves everything. And if you win the games seven to five, all that fans and people and the world is going to care about is that the Leafs are winning hockey games. So do I think that they are going to 
kick off their leaf season on a positive note yes i do because october hockey is just like crazy hockey and there's no defensive I don't know, again, like postures or strategies, or it's just like it's wild. Anti Mike Babcock hockey. It's anti Mike Babcock hockey, and it's just going to be crazy out there. We're going to let a bunch of goals in. Maybe they're not going to look great, but we're going to have Austin Matthews scoring like four goals a game. So I think we're going to win anyway. I think we're going to have a great record coming out of October. And I think that whether or not they were good in October or not good, I think that will help them kind of settle in get a feel for things that it's okay that I let, let in four goals this game because Austin Matthews scores four goals. So we only need one more from someone else. So I think they'll start off with a positive season. Not that I don't think that they're going to start off good, but I think it will be on a positive note. That's what I'm looking at. I, I would agree. I mean, my expectations of a guy like Matt Murray are honestly, they're pretty high. I am the, the more I think about it, you know, looking back at, at early years of Matt Murray and some of the, the, well, just like, just like the statistics that he was putting up his, his playoff um, uh, resume, just a couple of seasons into his career, this guy really, he's got the potential to be that, to be Mm -hmm. that top five Vesna caliber guy. Samsonov, I don't feel that way, but the risk on this guy is so much lower, right? Like a $1.8 million cap hit. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I have, pretty high hopes or I, I, I have high expectations for somebody making four and a half million dollars in the Maple Leafs, regardless of what position that you play. And I think Matt Murray, Matt Murray's ha- has that potential. He's going to have a really great defense in front of him. Certainly better than he had his past years in uh, Ottawa, which also to give me a break on being scared of the Ottawa senators. I will <laughs> they terrify me. <laughs> I'll kick you off this podcast. Give me a break. I think, I think you have a great, point Stephen. like i i would agree with you that i could for sure see matt murray playing well and and being what we need him to be i have a much larger concern that he's going to be able to play and stay healthy like i i i think that it, it feels like we didn't learn anything from peter morazic last season of this guy hey, guess what he missed like 60 games the year before and didn't play anything but he had a track record so like maybe he'll be good Whoops, turns out he's just this, the most injury-prone guy in the world, and he played like four games for us all season, and now we had to move down in the draft just to get rid of him. Then here we are picking up Murray, who's like, oh, he's had some serious injury problems over the last couple of years, and they've really stopped him from getting his groove. And everything rests on this season in his shoulders. Hopefully he could stay healthy. It's It seems like an un, unwise risk to be taking, and if it pays like if he stays healthy i think he'll be totally fine i don't know if he's gonna stay healthy part of what I, makes uh oh go ahead tim i say i have pretty low expectations for him if we get 900 goaltending from both our goaltenders like well that's about what we expected uh for and for for people that don't know 900 goaltending is uh looking at the save percentage and is basically like bargain based and if you're below 900 uh goaltending you're not in an nhl caliber goaltender so I don't know. I think we'll be bottom half the league in goaltending, but maybe that's good enough. When Tony Hawk does a 900, though, it's sick. So it's like very, it's just different sports. Oh, okay? no, one, no one ever won the cup with the 900 goaltender. You know, though, it's a bold statement. Um, part, of, part of Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, like the, po- the positivity around them is a little bit out of their control because if Jack Campbell leaves town and is a complete tire fire and these guys are just average then they're getting praised in the streets, right? Yeah, that's true. But if Campbell's a Vesna candidate and we're looking at sub Tony Hawk, uh, we're in trouble. So I don't know. But I'm, yeah. I'm coming around on the Matt Merck. And Tim, I think you need to as well. You got to get get excited about this guy. He's on our team. He's our boy. And if he's a, and if he's a tire fire, the Maple Leafs will get out of it because that's just, I guess, what we do with these goalies. Ryan, there are many goaltenders that have won the Stanley Cup with sub. 900 goaltending. Like, who? Who? tell me the most recent one, Tim. Ugh, there's no years here. <laughs> Tim's like, here's a guy uh, Ray... that HW was watching back in the day. <laughs> you can go like Andy Moog had an 863, 15 games in the playoffs. I don't even know who Andy Moog was. Who Who's that? He's a goaltender in 863. Yeah, you don't even know who he is. You're talking oh, about he... goaltenders from the 80s or something. Like, what are you doing, Tim? What do you, what's wrong with the 80s? He was on the Bruins. 
Jim, uh, tell me from like the last 10 years what goaltender won the Stanley Cup with sub 900 goaltender. Ty Conklin, Jake Allen, Ray Emery. Jake Allen? These are Same early those. 2000s. Yeah, but no, like, was, no, I know who Jake Allen is. <laughs> but like, so, really? Some of that, the, the 2017 what, year? What is this site? Two Saros <laughs> didn't win the Stanley Cup. Oh, sorry, sorry. This is uh, the worst Stanley Cup. Not necessarily won the Stanley Cup. All right, so I'm right and Tim's wrong. What's the next question? All right. Uh, who plays with John Tra- Traverse City, Michigan? <laughs> so, who plays with the captain? Yeah, I mean, the situation around this is that, you know, it, it seems like a lock that John Traverse will play with some combination of... Uh, um, William Nylander or Mitch Marner, but other than that, the 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 left wing spot alongside him is a hundred percent open. Guys like Alex Kerfoot have been there and kind of underperformed, but tons of new bodies coming onto the team that like it doesn't seem like on the surface they have a ton of top six potential. But John Tavares has made made a man out of some sub nine hundred jabronis before, and who <laughs> Matt Molson sends his regards. I I don't think it will be Kerfoot. I mean, I'm sure we'll see Kerfoot up there sometimes throughout the season. I don't think that's who we're going to see out there opening night, though, and I don't think that will be the first choice moving forwards. I, I We've just seen too much of it. I don't foresee that something that hasn't really worked. It's kind of worked here and there, but it hasn't really worked over the last couple seasons, working now for really no reason at all. I, I think it'll be like, Yarn Crook or or Robertson or one maybe one of these I, younger guys or someone who we brought in who will get the first crack at it and then you know what it's probably just going to be whatever's working just stays and as soon as it stops working you switch it up. I even wonder if like they'll try bunting there to get Tavares rolling, and mm. then but then who's on the top line, Tim? Literally, I could be on the top line and Matthew still got eighty goals. Okay, but. This is this is honestly probably the most concerning question on this list to me because Rye said it right, like could be Yarn Crook, could be Nicky Rob, maybe, right? A guy that's never even had a long term stint in the NHL. Do, do you guys think that well, Nylander is a lock on the second line? What you you could see him moving down? Well, he ended last year on the third line. I don't think he'll been- be moving down to the third line. I do think that there's a real possibility you see him and Marner take a flip and Marner's on that line with JT and Nylander's up with Matthews. Like I, I think that would be likely if anything, uh, I, I don't see them putting him on the third line as their primary option though. Maybe like another switch it up session like they had last year. Not, not primary option. You know, I think uh, if it's not, if it's not Kerfoot, it's yarn crook, but it's Kerfoot and I don't like it. I don't like saying it, but I think it is Kerfoot. And it's is, just because there's just nobody else. There's nobody else on this team. Is this the year they unleash P- the draft? Pierre Engvall, top six forward? He I was mean, great last year. He could do it. Well, and like guys like uh, uh, David Camp had a couple of games, right, where he was looking, you know, he was potting them in the back of the net. He made the least cast look pretty dumb, but he did. <laughs> it's like, Dude, it's just probably going to be Kerfoot, unless there's some weird trade, which like probably not a training camp. But um, un- unless I guess I guess it is possible that yeah, you see Kerf on that top line, and then you're moving down uh, Bunting to that second line. But I kind of think it's just going to go chalk with the top. I feel line like they never was. really gave Matthews with Kerfoot a chance. Like I, I can't even remember if they ever even did try that. Like why hasn't Kerfoot been up there on the top line? I, I believe they have. I'm not sure. Uh, it'll be well, interesting because even th- a lot tonight, so don't ask Tim. But. I know I'm. I'm certainly not in midseason form. <laughs> don't trust any stats I throw out. Y- Yarrow's with Tavares, like. Um, <laughs> but I've I've been admitting it. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the third line uh, last year, like we had Staples and Mikheyev and Kasha. Both of them are gone. So it even. We, there's the whole lineup going through a blender right now, except for Matthews and Marner attached at the hip at the top. That's all we really know. And yeah, they're, they're not necessarily attached to the hip. We'll see. Like Keith switches it up. 
Can I hit you guys with a dark horse to play on that second line? It cannot be Eric Don't Stahl. say Nicky Rob. From hailing from Oakville, Ontario, standing oh, at six foot nine and 238 pounds, <laughs> roughly an entire head taller than Nicky Rob, Curtis Douglas. No. No? He's a Marley. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Nicky Rob, what kind of opportunity is, is Nick Robertson given? Will he seize it? Will he seize the day finally with his new thick thighs? What do you think, Steven? Yeah, this is his year. It has to be. Because, like, if, if, it's, if it's not, and it is a little bit weird that he's at development camp, right? Like, I, I guess they just want to get him maybe as much hockey as he can possibly play. He's already in town. Let's just, like, keep him there. Um, but they have to give him a real a real look. And it feels weird that like, uh, to, to go from really not playing in the NHL, right. To like, just being giving this like high line look, I'm trying to think of a player that was like put into that situation. Well, actually I guess Minnesota's done that a little bit with their guys where they'll hold them out. Uh, and then it's third line and above or bust. But I think, uh, in an ideal world, Nick Robertson would, I think suit up really well next to a responsible center like John Tavares and a loose cannon like William Neal. So I think uh, maybe that's in the Leafs' plans. I think that he's going to be given every chance of the world and basically out of necessity. This guy, is, he's not getting any younger. He's, I mean, he's still 21, but like he's been in our system forever here. You don't want the guy like losing faith or getting frustrated or kicking himself. Like you got to get him get him out here how much more is he gonna grow in the ahl like get get him grow thicker he's he's one of your most valuable prospects we need cheap nhl players like he is let let's get him at a place where he's he can succeed and and all the same there's a lot of forwards that played for us last year and played a lot of minutes for last last year who just aren't going to be back you know like spezza and kasha and mikhaev and I don't know. Maybe that's all there is, but like well, those are roster spots that need to be filled. And why, why can't he fill them? I think he's going to be given every opportunity. There's, there's really no reason to expect that he won't be able to contribute in the NHL this year, right? Like he, he was mostly healthy last year, lit it up. He's 21, right? He's been an NHL man or, you know, professional hockey man for about three years now. And it, you just got to do it, yep. right? You just got to do it or else he's, or else he's Billy Bean. Tim loves them. Tim I loves do, them. I do love that movie. Um, I would even just love to see him on the team. Just, I love his hustle. There's nothing that gets me more than when I see these guys loafing around out there and like, I won't name any names, but like, yes, there, was some, there was, there was some slow players out there that would, not move their feet and like Nicky Rob when he's out there he is going 110% until they so his leg breaks which is unfortunate but you know that's <laughs> every dude I do he, we need that fire we yeah. we need the fire we need I want to see these guys playing with urgency oh I was going to say in October but like that's a long time you got to leave something in the tank for April Nicky Rob has been a fan favorite of the Leafs cast for many years now and I I would like to see him get his due he's earned it i think let's see nicky rob get his fair shake do you really want to be the worst robertson brother you know what i mean (laughs) that's right could you rye could you imagine if tim was just lighting it up in dallas in big d i've experienced being the worst podcast brother on this podcast before and it's it's not fun it's nothing i aspire to be again well not today tim's slipping (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm not in regular season form okay oh, there it is nikki rob is lined up with alex steve fraser minton on the top line no oh boy by the way fraser minton, minton was our the top guy we drafted this this past yes, year sir. that's right Fancy question number five how did the defensive pairing shake out initially um all right so, so is I this guess, are we assuming that sandin's in or out in this we, we all is, agree we think he'll be in uh, actually, I sent that to the the sun, Tim. So yeah, we're assuming he's in. I sent Don't it to the that. sun. All right, so yeah. we have seven defensemen right now. How does it shake out? 
I think it will be pretty status quo. I don't think we're going to be seeing anything radical. We're not going to see Lilligren on the top pair. Or, I don't know. Even like Sandy on his offside. It'll just be like Riley with Brody and Muzzin with Hall and Giordano with Lilligren and Sandy sits. That'll be you think in that order? Yeah. You think Same. Muzzin and Hall will get more minutes than Giordano and Lilligren? Uh, I don't know. I mean, to say more minutes, they'll probably get the harder matchups than Lilligren and, and Hall will, or rather Lilligren and Giordano. I'm sure that Giordano will get some power play time, so I don't know how the minutes are going to shake out, but written on the whiteboard, that'll be the pair orders anyway. But, Rye, do you not put anything into, like, last year, you know, for the bulk of the end of the season and the playoffs, it was Riley Labushkin, Muzzin, and Brody. Mm-hmm. You, um, you don't think that they would maybe keep Muzzin and Brody because like Muzzin looked good yep. probably his best with Brody as Riley does. looked good yeah Riley looked good I mean he looked best with Brody but he looked good with Labushian and could you not see them trying out well I uh, I absolutely expect them to try out a number of different things like you know you're right Muzzin and Hall were just horrible as a pair last year like so bad but the year before that they were golden like we we chose to protect Hall in the expansion draft because he was a steal at two million dollars for two years as a right-handed defenseman like so good and we praised Dubas for protecting him he's like yes that's who you need and then he decided to crap the bed last year and so did Muzzin obviously injuries didn't help but it it is what it is it's career year. I think that um, if if you could find that magic again and they could be what they were two seasons ago instead of last season, then you're looking real good on your D pairs. If you can keep Riley with Brody, because yes, Bro- Brody was fine with Muzzin. Riley was fine with Bushkin. Our best pair is Riley Brody. That's the best thing you got. So if we can go Riley Brody, if Muzzin and Hall can be a good pair again, and then you're like bottom end of your lineup is a combination of Geo Lilypad and and Sandine. I'm feeling real good about our deep pairs. I I expect that's where we'll start out. If it doesn't work, then we'll switch things up. Tim, I uh, I I agree with a lot of what Ryan said as far as at the start of uh I think Riley Brody is the the deep pairing they they start with just because that is uh the it's it's as much as as close as we get to having the the shutdown D pair, the one that you put it out against the other team's best forwards. Against that awesome Ottawa first line, give me a break, <laughs> give me a break, Tim. Give me a break. Overpaid, um, but I don't know. I I don't have high hopes for Jake Muzzin this year. I know started like end of last year, he kind of turned it around. You look great in the playoffs. I don't know if that's uh, if it's going to continue. I think he's a very much a third pairing defenseman this year. So then, but so where does he play? Well, I mean, he has to like third pair left side. So I, like I, I, I would think Giordano slots in ahead of. Okay. However, Giordano is also thir- turns thirty nine this year. Guy's old. Father time. He might have missed him the first go around, but. <laughs> Maybe that's what, and th- maybe that's what. Uh, so, what are the pairs? You've been dancing Sandy. around it. What What are the pairs? I'm justifying it. I'm an old man. I have to get to my point. Unbelievable. Um, so, top pair, Riley Brody. Middle pair, Giordano Lilligren. I was saying all of last year that those two had magic together. They shouldn't be split up. You did say that. And then, uh, bottom pairing is Muzzin and Hall, where. They can be protected a little bit. Um, I think we, depending on how the season starts, I, I think Sandin first makes it in on his offside mm. before he makes it in on the left side. Unless if Muzzin hurts himself in training camp. Could all happen. right, all right. Steven, who's, who's idea do you like better? Neither. I think you guys are both wrong. Uh, <laughs> thank you, but... No, I think, well, okay, I think it will be probably Riley Brody to start the season just because I feel like they'll they'll move Brody down if they need to, but I think that's how you start it. Um, 
I'm not going to go ahead and throw the 39-year-old on my second pair. Thank you very much. I'll I'll stick with Muzzin as my second line left, uh, along with Liljegren. I think that's where Liljegren slots in. I think he showed a lot last offseason. I think there's no reason to think he's not scratching at a, a top-four spot. Interesting. And so I think you slide him in there, and he's a natural right, and he's better than Justin Hall. So I think he's playing with Muzzin. And plus, I think where Muzzin's at in his career, if he can just you know, maybe pick, like pick up a little bit of the defensive responsibility from Timothy Lilligren if he's biting a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, that and then and then third pair is some Geo. combination. Yeah, it's Geo and it's uh, it's it's Geo Hall and 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 Sandine. But like, it's weird because like I could see Sandine if, if Sandine's like I'll play the right, then like maybe he plays on the top pair, right? If he'll play on the right, why is he all the way oh, down? We've, at the bottom? we've seen Sandine and Riley together, and it will never be seen again, never ever. <laughs> They were younger. They were young men. They were younger. Um, yeah, that's what I think. So, so we'll find out who which one of us Keith agrees with. Really, I don't think like I don't have an uh, objection to either of you guys' pairs. Like I, I, I kind of like where the assuming that Sandine signs, I like the state of our defenseman right now, and a huge part of that hinges on whether muzzin takes another step back or whether hall can find his groove or whatever but i i, I have faith i have a good feeling about the core this year so all right next question how do the maple leafs get under the salary cap i hate this one i don't want to talk about money but let's talk about money let's talk about big money that's my language i think we're over right now aren't we like don't we well like there's something out it depends on it, who you want to have in the press box versus like how many extra guys. So if like if we have an army of guys in the press box, then yes, we're over. Um, however, if you go on a road trip, you don't want to have like a skeleton crew. So, uh, and especially if we sign Sand into a contract, it's going to uh, something has to give. So, I, the top candidates for a trade are either Justin Hall or Alex Kerfoot. Those are the two that are paid more than maybe the role that we have to give them. And these are really just like trade him for a salary dumpling. It's not even like we're looking to get something back. We're just like, we need the space. Yeah. And I mean, we're getting assets that we can maybe flip around at the trade deadline to, to get for someone, but it's not like we're trading Hall and Kerfoot and bringing in our second line winger or something. Like it's just, we're, we got to get rid of these guys. Yeah, I think the the th- the thinking at so far that we package up our spare parts to bring in a star left winger for Tavares, that ship has sailed. Maybe at the trade deadline. <laughs> it seems weird though. Like trades aren't really happening anymore. And excuse me, trades aren't really happening anymore. It's like most teams are kind of set. How are we going to make something work here? Like pull us pull something off right before the season starts. Like it, it seems kind of weird. Well, I could yep. see, I could see though, like a low level. I don't see like a Kerfoot trade happening, but I can see like a low level Justin Hall trade happening, and I, I think that's what will happen. I think you got guys like Jordy Ben. Who's the other jabroni we brought in? I can't. Oh, they're all going to be lost on waivers. Yeah. Well, no, much. but they Victor won't. Mete. They, they, that's it. Okay, but they might not if you know Hall's gone, and then that's like our depth. Um, it's also not like everybody else isn't right up against the cap. I just think that like it's a weird stalemate because right now the Leafs only have like the, the, the Leafs don't even really have those dollars to sign Rasmus Sandin to like a, a multi-year, you know, $3 million contract. They don't, right? Like it's just like a million sub 2 million, right? That they can sign them to. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess I, that's probably where, you know, your stalemate's at, but I just, I think, I think that like, we don't need Justin Hall. I, I don't look at this. When I look at, at, at Mete and Jordy Ben sitting in the press box, I don't think we need Justin Hall. So I think uh, you move him, you've got some extra bodies. And What do you think? We trade Justin Hall, sign PK Subban to oh a league min contract. Give me a break. So you would have, I like, I like the idea of all Toronto boys. You know, you got Muzzin, PK, and uh, Geo, all Toronto boys. All <laughs> Ontario boys. Well, yeah. I can't remember. 
stuff. It's the off season. He's like North. Anyway, where they Classic grow American. Food. Anyone else want to talk about? <laughs> Give me a break. All right. Anybody else want to talk about here? money? No way. Next. So annoying. Can the Leafs stay healthy? Absolutely. We saw it in, in uh, All or Nothing a few years ago. They have a machine that grows bone. Next question. <laughs> I saw it All or Nothing that Thornton would just walk around with bags of ice strapped to his legs the whole time. So <laughs> I must have missed that part. These guys are. I must have missed that part to the tears in my eyes through that whole documentary. Can the Leafs stay healthy? Tim's depressed. The Tim's answer, been depressed this summer. The answer is no, because no team will stay healthy the whole season. Like, we're going to get injuries throughout it. I think the, really the question is, are our injuries going to compromise the season and or the playoffs? Like last year, we lost Kasha for the playoffs, and that was definitely a big deal. But we got Muzzin back for the playoffs, and that kind of that that helped. Obviously, different roles, but it uh, it boosted us a lot at the end there. I think that the biggest two are probably Murray and Muzzin this year for for the big question of can they stay healthy? Do you guys say that's right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Track record would say no. My eternal Leafs optimism says absolutely. So we'll see. They grow bone, Ryan. It does matter, yeah. though. Like, those are like Matt Murray, especially. If he could stay healthy, you got a shot. If he's injured and Sam Sonoff is starting 50 games for you this year, geez, like, there goes your season. So not nothing against Sam Sonoff, but the guy's he's just not what he was. So, Sam Sonoff is still young. I have more hope for Sam Sonoff than I do Matt Murray. Hello. No, I, I'd say my hope is in Matt Murray over, over not that I'm discounting Sam Sonoff, but it, I'd say I'd more hopeful for Matt Murray, but I'm more hopeful Sam Sonoff will stay healthy. So we'll see. No one, Ryan's the most concerned of anybody on this podcast about this, like this weird voodoo around injury health. We have no, literally no reason to think that all of these guys won't just be fine. All what are you talking year. about? No reason. Well, like, when you, do when not you know say, their track when you these say guys like, have paper for bones. Yeah, but, when, but, but, but like, like, it's not like they're built differently than other players. It's just been like bad injury luck. Like, like is Nikki Rob injury prone? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> there's players that are injury prone. What do you mean? There's absolutely nothing we could base this off. Like the guy Austin, gets Matthew, Austin Matthews mix, misses, you know, like whatever, five to 10 games every year with like various, you know, is he injury prone? Like everybody, all, all these guys are hurt all the time. It's Playing just like an the, average like, of like it's 70 random. games does not make you injury prone. Missing like an entire season and having the games that you're back be you're horrible in because you you missed so much time. That's concerning. And that's what we saw. Like we, we knew it before we brought in Peter Mrazek and then he gets injured and the games he plays and he sucks. And Oh, that scary. was different. And Peter here, Mrazek no, was, it was injury the same prone. Thing. No, Peter Mrazek's injury prone. These guys are different. Oh my goodness. <laughs> listen, you're trying to compare. We just went into the, the, listen, Matt Murray coming from Ottawa, where when you're, you know, feeling injured, they give you a, like a bag of chips and a diet Coke here. <laughs> We're looking at bone growing machines. Everybody's going to be fine. Nobody worry about anybody on the Maple Leafs being injury prone. It's all a big joke. We've had a lot of guys miss a lot of time from injury. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen James Reimer get his head clipped and there he goes out down the tunnel again. Like it, it just happens and it happens to the same guys over and over again. It's absolutely going to happen. Like you think that Matt Murray is going to be healthy for all 82 games. I doubt it. Maybe you he'll, know maybe he'll play most of them, but he'll something will happen here. How, you know how long ago it was that Jake Muzzin? Oh no, they they do it. Man, I almost did it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the tap they 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 break it up on 2018. They said like the 50 games to LA and 30 with the Leafs. So he played 80 games that season. But then like since coming to the Leafs, Jake Muzzin hasn't played more than 53 games in a year. Yikes. But Tim, these guys aren't built differently. Like it, it's just bad luck, I'm sure. Yeah, I got to stop games podcast with brothers. <laughs> All right, a couple more. Question number eight: What kind of shape does the Leafs' fourth line take? Good shape. Thick. So, it's, well, I mean, if they wide down shape. Wide shape. One eighty-five down on the fourth line. I mean, uh, is that Mister Douglas? You know, the Leafs. There? <laughs> the Leafs fourth line the last couple of years, I mean, it's frustrating. Like it's frustrating when they're just like 
rolling out like these guys that they're they have seemed like they're just too afraid to take out of the lineup right to like disrespect them we still have like a a simmons we still have a clifford on the roster that like we could see coming down there but uh some some youth uh maybe some guys in this training camp will show out i can see a world where that's kind of what we're looking at well it's just been a shame that it's like if we had just Thornton and two other zippity guys, I think that would have been fine or just Spezza or even just Simmons. But like for the last number of years, we've had two old guys and one young guy. And that one young guy was never enough to give the line any zip. And yeah. you liked having the old guys like they were, they were, I mean, maybe you guys don't like having Simmons out there, but it it's just, I, I'm ready for that fresh fourth line energy like I, I don't even know if Simmons is going to make the fourth line we could have three guys down there who are just spunk and I like it it would be nice to like not like you don't I don't even have to get excited about the fourth line but just like so many times last year it was like oh it's the fourth line out there yeah and they're slowly slogging along well you just and they don't the and they get five minutes of ice time a night and you would notice all five of the minutes but just look at the difference that Tampa's fourth line made in that in that playoff series like I noticed Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry and like I noticed these guys when they're after there's no way that the other team was afraid of like Kyle Clifford Jason Spezza oh and whoever goodness. the other guy was there like there's it's just no way so like I don't want to see Colin Blackwell Colin I don't want to see Kyle Clifford in the Leafs jersey this year yep. it wasn't an NHL last year either well guys like uh Joey Anderson Adam Gaudet. You remember Joey Anderson, right? Traded for Andreas Janssen. That was supposed to make us feel better. That's right. Uh, Curtis Douglas. Guys that could be cracking the lineup on that fourth <laughs> I'm line. I'm telling you, the milkman, he's going to be playing for us this year. Six foot nine. Wait, is Curtis Douglas the milkman? No, Mulgan. We call him the milkman? <laughs> no, what are you talking Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. We're excited for this fourth line that's uh, shaping up here. Gosh, we're out of shape. What do we have? A fourth line here? wide <laughs> well Question we sure hope nine. i mean we hope to be excited keith like might throw out old man simmons with i don't even know who i mean the, who i expect guys. simmons is not going to play zero games for the maple Leafs this year he'll be out there I'm, I'm honestly i'm interested to see what simmons looks like with two players who aren't like older than him so like let's let's see how it goes i think we wave him but no one picks him because he pulls his pets and threatens to retire Maybe. this is a tough one Question number nine. How do the Leafs replace Ilya Mikheyev and Andre Kasha? Two, you know, darlings of the Maple Leafs. The 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 exact thing that that, that we, Ryan we refer to Ilya Mikheyev as stone hands for an entire <laughs> year. Say. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And uh, right. talking about injury prone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, these guys are built to wait, you're telling me a man with a sword on the bottom of his feet sliced the guy's hand off. He's injury prone. What was this hand doing Kasha's on the ice injury in a prone. hockey game on my birthday? Kasha is very injury prone. That is that... anyway, Steven, go ahead. What were you saying? Well, that's the question. How do the Leafs replace Ilya Mikheyev and Andre Kasha? A guy who played Ilya Mikheyev on the uh in, in, in the top six. Certainly, you know, the third line consistently, Andre Kasha moving up and down. Guys, though, that put the puck in the net from the depth position on the roster. Uh, how do the Leafs replace that with just some of these new bodies that are brought in? Replacing the goals will be hard. Like, we didn't really bring in goals when we, when we brought in our free agents. Maybe it'll come from the defensemen. We, we did very poor with our defenseman production last year. And, you know, we talked about it on the pod saying that maybe that was by design. We don't have the bodies to produce offense like that. So we're just going to task them for more defensive roles. Don't pinch and play it safe. Maybe we need to uh, switch that up a little bit and say, hey, we got Riley. We got Giordano. We got Sandine. We got some guys that can put the puck in the back of the net. Let's let's unleash him a little bit more. Gee, nope. I yeah. mean, the Maple Leafs were like last season were like one of the, the worst teams in goals from their defensemen. It's yeah. basically all the same guys. I get a little nervous thinking that. But I that, honestly, that's a problem. Wouldn't you say that that 
all these other teams that are having success and they're making the playoffs and going deep are getting production from the defensemen and we're not like, once you say that's a, an issue, well, that, but that could be scheme as well. Right. Like, and we see it, we're like, I guess besides like Jake Muzzin, you just don't see the defensemen like slinging it quite as much, but I, uh, I, this is a concerning question to me as well, because I just, I don't see it. Like mm-hmm. I, uh, what did, what did you McKay have last year? Like 25 goals. Mikheyev had 21 goals, 32 points, and then Kasha had 14 goals and 27 points. Yeah, had like 14 goals in 12 games. I feel like it. Yeah, <laughs> but um, like Cali Yarncrook is not scoring 20 goals this year. But he will Clip over it. the four Clip years. It. He's Clip here. it for the podcast in mid December. Yeah, Cali Yarncrook is not scoring 20 goals. I, yeah, I mean. I, I just pulled up some of the some of the goal totals from our, our guys that we brought in. So, like, uh, we haven't talked about him yet, but Nicholas Obey Kubel, mm-hmm. he was good for 11 goals uh, last year. Yarncroc, he's usually good for about 12 to 15 goals. So, like... David Camp? David <laughs> Camp, I'm sure he's going to get more goals. So, Same like, the guys, oh, the guys we brought in, like, sure, they're certainly a little less offensive than... The, than the guys we lost, but then you also look up the lineup. Like John Tavares had 27 goals last year. Does he think he goes higher than that? Is he over 30 this year? Matthews missed 10 games last year, held him down to 60 goals. Maybe he gets another 10. <laughs> it's, um, I, I don't know. It's tough. Like so many of our guys had phenomenal seasons. Like Matthews had a career high. Marner had a career high. I think Kerfoot had a career high. Like it's, and are you expecting them to do it again? Maybe like Matthews and Marner, I would say probably Kerfoot. I don't know. But at the same time, Tavares and Nylander really struggled for like half of last year. But then that, that also beyond that, like who cares how many goals they have? How many goals are we going to have in the playoffs? Like we always have trouble scoring goals in the playoffs. Matthews only gets two goals instead of 22 goals. So let's, let's figure out how to get goals in the playoffs now. I don't know. Like yeah. what's Bunting going to do? Is Bunting going to get all these goals again? I don't know. The, the the Kyle Dubas hasn't necessarily let us down yet, right? Where he he does this off season wheeling and dealing, and I feel like there's been a couple of these guys that were just not they don't they're not that high up before the season and they kind of press. So I That's guess true. I'll give him that benefit of the doubt, but I'm not I'm not too optimistic about replacing the production of Ilya Mikheyev. But the, Is what, the what did he make? Five million bucks? Like yeah, I don't want to pay paying that. So have fun in Vancouver, dude. <laughs> I think, so- I think a sophomore slump is still a thing when you're 26. For bunting? <laughs> For bunting. A sophomore, like a 26 year old sophomore, like. He, he fell a great that? one a few times. Oh my gosh. No respect. A lot right. of people struggle in grade one. Slim Al struggled in grade one. Look at him now. There you go. He stands five foot eight, just, just shorter than Nikki Rob. All right, well, we'll have to do a full predictions episode uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks before the season starts. That way we can uh, cr- egg on David Camp to get to prove us wrong and all these guys. Hopefully Sandine you- signs by then so we can stop talking about it. To the sun! And tell us what you want us to hear. Wait, tell us what you want to hear from us. Tell <laughs> us what you want us to talk about. Tweet at us at BeliefsCastPod. Uh, on Twitter and leafscastpod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, tell us what you uh, We'll talk about anything except for Rasmus Sandin. That's right. Off That's it. That's it. And we can't talk about how good looking Blackwood is going to play for us anymore. So no no more of that stuff. That's it. It's over. All right. I'm ending it.